Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Christopher and Eric is a production of the TDPS Network, which mm. you can support by visiting thedinnerpartyshow.com or www.tdps.tv. And by clicking on the gold Amazon box at the bottom right-hand corner of the home page, you'll ensure a portion of your subsequent Amazon purchases supports podcasts like this one. The same is true if you use any of the buy links on our website as well. And thedinnerpartyshow.com and tdps.tv is also where you can find all the episodes of our other podcast, The Dinner Party Show, which is full of celebrity interviews and sketch comedy that's gotten us banned in 20 states. That's not true. A man can dream. All right. Well, let's dream of everyone supporting our website. That way we can avoid putting an ad in this spot for a crowdsourced skin surgery app. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Welcome back to the studio, Eric Shaw Quinn. Well, it's great to be here. I know people are very excited we're here because they have been pestering me on the social medias to get back in and record some more episodes. We've had quite a long hiatus in the eyes of our party people, well, at least. Well, you know, it was the holidays. You have to take some time off. Greater Christmasville doesn't decorate itself. Talk to us about this year's Greater Christmasville. For those of you who don't know, and you should know if you've been following us for any My length God. of time. You've never listened to me talk at all. Eric constructs, assembles, curates one of the most expansive, and I shall say beautiful, even though I'm very biased, Christmas villages in his apartment here in West Hollywood that Christmas worldwide has ever seen. It's it's huge. It's a huge Christmasville. It's you know it's a lot. I, I don't. I appreciate all of those uh, superlatives. I don't know. You that are I'm, a little. You're blushing a little. I don't bit, know that like, I'm going to quite claim uh, world status, but you know, like I don't know. It's got its own Facebook page, and you can see Facebook. Everywhere except, I don't know, Iran and China. I'm yeah, not sure. I don't know. But, yeah, totally. But, you know, maybe Syria. Yeah, Syria and I China. I think their their internet connection is probably pretty thready at this point. There's yeah. poor people. Poor people. Anyway, anyway, we're not going to talk about that. That's too big a downer. We're not doing that. It's We're talking about after Christmas, Christmas specials. That's what this is. Right. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I got started a few years ago. Uh, my nephew, I went to visit my uh, family um, at my mom's place. For the holidays, and my nephew, who was very young at the time, was really fond of this little light-up house, village house that she had. He loved playing with it, and it kind of got me thinking about it. And one thing led to another, and now there's hundreds of those little villages. I didn't even know how many there are. Talk to people about the closet. Yeah, there is literally—I have a walk-in closet, a really good-sized, really excellent walk-in closet in my house, and it is— Literally filled to the actual ceiling. To the actual ceiling, not the metaphorical ceiling, not the halfway ceiling. He is not exaggerating. He is filled all the way to the ceiling. You can't even open the door all the way. Like, but you have to, in order to do some part of the storage stuff, uh I have to sneak in around the door and close the door and then put stuff behind which one year you did something in there while you were hosting a little Christmas dinner in your house. And the rest of us were sitting in the other room, which is not that far away. And you somehow locked yourself in that room. I became trapped. You became trapped and we could not hear you for, I would say about 15 minutes, which apparently everybody was enjoying because nobody came to look for me. (laughs) Well, 
you know. And when they did, I would also add, they discovered that I was trapped in the closet and then went back and said to everybody, I was just trapped in the closet. And then they went on with their evening. I don't no remember one, it this way. No one I don't attempted to assist me in getting I, out of that closet. This is a Christmas fish story. You know what they say about a fish story. The fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger every every time you tell the story. This is a Christmas fish story. I and believe- you know that they say that guests are a lot like fish. <laughs> If you don't cook them right away, they start to sting. Well, that was your mistake. You had already served us food, and if you wanted us to look for you when you were missing, we should have been hungry. That's that's the I number one rule of hospitality, right? Having children in hospitality, don't feed them until you've gotten what you you need out of them. I guess that was the way it went. In well, any case, this discussion yeah, of Christmas took a turn for it's the worse. Quite the, it's quite the storage closet. So it's an enormous undertaking. It takes a week. I think we may have even talked about it before we left. It takes a week to we, get everything. Yes. All all put up and put together, and then I keep it up. It's it's still up. <laughs> the village is still up, but I came but over to tree. help you take your tree down. And the tree is the tree was fabulous. I picked out your tree this year. You had some feelings about its general shape. It was shape. too short. It, you thought it was too short, but I thought it didn't rise too high above the village that was twinkling underneath its lower branches. I think it's really worth noting that the tree that Christopher liked was really short and had a fat bottom. (laughs) Well, you know what they say about me, men, and grocery stores. I like my grocery stores like my men, small and overpriced. Yuck, 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 yuck. Likes them short with a big butt. I like them short with a big butt. What what can I say? I like the opposite of me because I hate myself. It's the number one rule of attraction. No, I'm just kidding. Don't make that face. Don't make that face. That's a horrible thing to say. Yuck. I'm just trying to keep you on your toes, Quinn. Anyway, so yeah. So he came to he came over and helped me take the it was it turned out to be a lovely tree, but the tree really, I mean, to be fair, it was dead when it got there, but it was really clear that it was dead by Monday. But here, so. here's the thing that we try usually every year, I think, and I think we tried it again this year. We, we Here's a picture of Eric's Christmas village. Show us your picture of your Christmas village. And everyone's like, I'm not competing with that thing. I don't, my, here's my one light on my one branch on my entertainment center. Or they I send can't. me pictures of other of ones that they found on the internet, which right. are like... <laughs> Jesus Christ, you sent me that one of that article about the man who has bought a warehouse and devoted it entirely yes. to Christmas. Village. There was somewhere here in Southern yeah. California. Yeah. And my reaction was the real challenge is taking it down. If you yes. can take it down and cause it to disappear for an entire year and then recur again next Christmas, then I'll be impressed. Well, was it clear from the article whether or not the warehouse was for storage or display? Because as we've learned, those are the two most, one is more critical than the other. Oh my God. Because if you can't is, store it, it's not going to happen again next storage year. Storage is really the big undertaking of the whole process. Like getting it out of storage is unbelievably overwhelming because it's all at the same time. You have both all of the storage boxes and all of the village out all at once. So nothing is in storage. I don't I don't know how you do it. It is an undertaking. I mean, I know, I know how you do it. I've seen how you do it. It's very sweaty. And there's usually a point midway through the process of setting it all up where there's a phone call where you say something along the lines of, Sort of like what the the pilots of the Enola Gay said after they dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and looked back. They said, my God, what have we done? You usually have that moment with your own Christmas village, only it's a little bit less nuclear, where you think, oh, God, because you have a moment where it's all laid out, and the effort of putting it back, if you were to change your mind, is going to be just as considerable as carrying it through (laughs) execution. And I always set it up so that there is an event 
on the Saturday, a start on Monday, and there is an event on the Saturday so that it has to be done. Meaning there will be people in there your house. There will be people that in my it's, house. It's a social event, yeah. So Christmas has to be set up by then. And uh, yeah, it gets to be a little overwhelming. If you didn't give yourself that, are you worried that you would just sort of thread out and wait until like the night before you guess, went out to the I desert with us? I don't think so. I'm not a really hesitating person. I'm kind of a no. You're not. I, I'm kind of a get it done a month before the deadline kind of guy. But but even so, I think it helps to encourage me. My mom and I used to do that when we were the the way to get the house. Like we would we moved a lot when we were young and. The temptation is like, well, we'll hang those pictures eventually, and those boxes in the living room are the stuff that goes in the living room, but nobody ever goes in there, so we'll unpack them eventually. So we would invite over 12 dinner guests, and right. we would repaint the house. Wow. You wow. know, and hang all the pictures and put everything up. Because when you have that kind of incentive, it's like, okay, well, then it becomes an actual task. I never have anybody in my house, and that must be why I have the giant holes in the wall and the mold everywhere and the, the desiccated cats underneath every And all of my Christmas. Christmas presents to you are still in the packing I, I case actually they... have done better with, with recognizing and celebrating Christmas presents this year. I did get the the last of them. We, we couldn't – we should also add when it comes to Christmas presents that it's almost impossible to get another stitch or inch of anything into my car when we loaded up to drive out to visit my mother in the desert here in Southern California where she lives. So by the time it was time to bring everything back, we were just like, okay, just ship – just ship half of it. I don't care how much it costs. Charge it to me. I don't, I don't care. Well, I thought that was going to manifest some, into blaming me. We but want I guess some he thought better breathing of breathing. Well, I suddenly realized that that was your generosity filling the car to the roof, which is, is always really lovely because you do give very thoughtful gifts, whereas my gift to you this year was a complete fucking <laughs> disaster. <laughs> well, it wasn't a disaster. It no, was just it, really surprising. It was surprising in that it was something you apparently didn't want at all, and it was enormous and took up a lot of room in the car and had to be ordered special, but I could swear that we had been out there for Thanksgiving and watching t this... Inf not infomercial, but you know, one of those commercials on television that I goes think it on was too an long. It was an infomercial. It just went on too long, and like Suzanne Summers appeared or something, or Joan Collins. I don't know. It was some device that looked very you. It had to do with a process of organization around the kitchen, and that's really the other the other place that you spend most of the holidays is in your kitchen, baking your amazing, famous shortbread cookies for everybody. So, side note. And buttering you up for the fact that we're talking about a gift that didn't really work out. I could swear <laughs> that I said, Eric, have you ever had one of those things? You were looking at the television screen and it was some sort of device that vacuum sealed food items in your kitchen for long term storage. And you were like, yeah, I used to have one. And I was like, would you like another one? And I could swear you nodded and said yes. So I ordered you one. And I could tell from the minute that you <laughs> opened it. It was like, oh, great. It was like I had given you a case full of socks. Like, you could not have been less interested. And I'm thinking it's a little weird that he does want this because I know that space in his kitchen is at a premium. And this is basically the size of a shoe rack. And I don't have no idea where he's going to put it. None. But I, I could swear he was watching that commercial and nodding and whatever. And so I guess what we established is that you weren't. You were distracted when I asked you whether or not or you talking wanted to somebody else, or <laughs> I have no idea. I've I have only the vaguest recollection of saying because I had a Daisy seal -a meal when I was I I think about eighteen years old. I was working at Target. Mm -hmm. It was my first job, which was called Ridgeway then. Richway. Richway. Okay. And um, 
the uh, they had them on sale there, I think, and I bought one so that I could get so that I could make my own boiling bags. Remember boiling bags where you could get yeah, like a lean cuisine would come in a boiling and bag and you would just drop it in, drop in, it in. Water. yeah, yeah. You could make your own. You could make something and put it in these bags and freeze them, and then when you were ready to use them, you could um, put them in boiling water and have yeah, I don't know beans or whatever you'd put in there. And so I did get that. And I remember at the time being amused, they had a survey card. And I remember saying to my mother, I bet I'm the only 18-year-old boy who actually <laughs> bought one of these. <laughs> and mom said, yeah, that's probably, yeah, you're I can a, see how that would be true. You were a special boy. But Eric Shaw Quinn, a special boy. It made sense at the time. And it was, um, so I... I had some sort of reminiscence about it when you. That must have been because you were making the same facial expression right now that you made when I asked you the question. So I think you were going back to eighteen-year-old Eric and his boiling bags. It wasn't the same thing as what you gave me. It didn't. There was no vacuum sealing involved. There was just. It was. I knew the the moment where I knew the gift had been a complete disaster was when you said, "Well, maybe I can wrap sweaters with it." (laughs) I was like. Okay. <laughs> well, I was thinking, right? If you put, if you could vacuum seal, you could take all of the, the, the air out of. You've seen those things where they, you you pack stuff with your, um, with your vacuum cleaner, and it mm-hmm. sucks all of the yes. air out of the bag, and so that all the air comes out because your sweater gets to be like a flat little piece of yes, paper when I you pull that. all the air out of it, so you can pack it more easily. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to take the vacuum cleaner with you so that you can repack your suitcase, right. which sort of defeats the purpose of having your sweaters <laughs> fit into less space. But it, it seems like a good idea. I, when I, you I first, it's not a technique for packing through. for your beach vacation. I think it's for moving that is when people practice that yeah. technique. And, yeah. and it would be you know around the house storage. Yeah, like, for the season. Yeah, but yeah. we don't have seasons here. No, we just have warm spring and cool spring. We're recording this in late January. The temperature has plunged to 68 degrees. Uh, if you could please contact the Red Cross and send us any supplies. Donuts. Send ignition, donuts. <laughs> ignition, send donuts. No, actually, no more donuts. It's, oh, my God. Yeah, no. And that brings us to the focus of today's episode. If, <laughs> uh, if you are just joining us, if this is your first episode of Christopher and Eric... Congratulations. Uh, if yeah, it's where not, the hell have you been? Where have you been? I'm glad you found <laughs> us. Uh, we're not, in this show, doing an episode of True Crime TV Club. We're going to try alternating going forward. We're going to do an episode where we talk about something that is compelling and interesting to us, and then we will do a True Crime TV Club episode. It'll be like a back and forth thing that we will be trying until people complain about it and ask us to do something else. And then we'll do whatever the hell we want to. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. So I think we decided that we're going to title this episode Holiday Escape or Escape from the holidays is that what we're gonna do? I, I can't. We were, we were throwing some potential I mean, titles. I like around. holiday escape. Holiday escape. Okay, we went to um, 
our beloved party people, which is you, if you're listening, you are officially a party person. You don't even have to like what you're hearing. We have declared you a party person. We you're talk- trapped. You can't escape now. There's no leaving the party. I don't know what that accent was. It was like uh, Oscar the Grouch. Um, we asked people, how are you enjoying the podcast so far? Do you have any comments or feedback for us? There was almost <laughs> no comments or feedback. There was only comments or feedback. How can I put this? There were no questions. There was just, um, we love you. You guys are doing a great job. Which is which we which appreciate. We, the, being the avaricious narcissist that we are, we welcome all such comments. Don't well. give me that face. Don't give me that face just because I used a big word. Avaricious. <laughs> um, we welcome... All of that. And so there were a few comments in particular that we were very excited about. Dylan Shower Pear, I did not pronounce your name correctly. I think it's probably Day Lynn, excuse me, said, Can't wait for the return of True Crime TV Club. Good, because that's happening in our next episode. I have missed Christopher and Eric. And Jackson uh-huh. says, No questions right now, just a statement that I really look forward to whatever you guys put out there next. Thank you. But Anna's not taking questions at this time. <laughs> Anna's not taking questions at this time. Anna's going to change her mind when she hears us discuss our opinions about the latest in napkin trends. I'm sure that that episode <laughs> okay. will put her right Anna's to sleep. Anna's now accepting questions. Absolutely. Christian Coleman says, I'm eager for all of it. High five emoji and a heart. So that is the kind of ego feeding feedback that we love getting we cannot get enough of thank you so much absolutely so then i went further back on the page uh to one of those posts where we were trying to inspire conversation during our very long winter hiatus and i said how did you spend your holidays and i put a couple i know (laughs) eric is reading through the printouts of the answers one of the responses was actually quite moving and that's the one that i want to read in a minute that was from uh the land down under where we have a surprising amount of very active listeners uh, from Australia, which is really neat. Anyway, the point I was trying to make was when I asked people about their holidays, I covered several kind of holiday areas, eating, what did you watch, where did you go? What do you want to guess most of the responses zeroed in on? I would guess food. Eating! Yes. So at the very moment when you and I are getting off of our holiday eating patterns and starting our new diets, and God knows our party people want nothing more than another episode of us talking about our fucking Southern California diets. I have already lost four pounds. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, you've been on your diet like three days. Thursday, yes. How much X-lax does this diet involve? Uh, None at all. I'm not telling, he says. (laughs) Four pounds. Okay. Well, I've lost three pounds, but we are we are now going to spend some amount of time, as much as we can stand, given that we are calorie deficient, hopefully, talking about some pretty interesting eating patterns, but also some fun holiday recipes. Excellent. Which will be another opportunity for us to not reveal the recipe to your amazing Uncle Eric's shortbread cookies. Because, you know, because they're the special, unique annual event. But actually, they're the house, they're the standing house cookies at my house. I make them all year. At Christmas, I decorate them for Christmas. But the rest of the year, they're those little stars. We serve them on the dinner party show. Absolutely. The guests all got 
uh, cookies to take home with them. And I feel like at some point we should probably, I don't know if we have in the past, we should probably do a cookie giveaway. I don't want to volunteer you, but I'm not going to put you on a time frame. But I think the cook- every time we talked about the cookies on the dinner party show, there were so many comments demanding the surrender of cookies. It could happen. Okay, it could happen. It could happen. It could yeah, happen. I think that seems like something that we um, probably want to plan for. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you know, with the holidays, I think I was just talking um, with Brandon about this before uh, we started today. Brandon is our man who makes all of this happen. Sound genius, Brandon <laughs> Griffith. At least, at the very least. Yeah. Lego God. Um, yes, he is the god of Legos. He is a Lego stud. expert. A brick stud? Is that what they call I them? I think that's right. I can't oh, remember. Oh, my God. Remember that um, that uh, the, the picture they did in yes! uh, Lego magazine? Of We're going the... to find that and post it on our Facebook page. And if I forget, party people remind me on the Facebook page. But yeah, he and I were talking about it, and I'm, I'm sure you and I have spoken about it as well, that, you know, it's great to diet and it's good to be in shape and you should take care of yourself and that kind of stuff. But there has to be a point at which it's like, okay, and now I'm going to, it's going to be the, the holidays. I'm yeah. going to, you know, treat myself. I'm going to have good stuff and lots of, I, it, I love having, just being able to react to my hunger with, oh, well, there's a bag of Fritos. I'll just eat that, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm hungry rather than having to think, well, let's see. I think I have a protein left on today's, you know, it, it just sometimes you need yes. a break. And uh, then, you know, I, I actually, because after I let myself do it, I actually find it easier to diet because yeah. it's like I'm ready. To mm-hmm. stop eating that way by the time I do. But I discovered a sort of the opposite thing. And, oh, it's happening. We're talking about diets and nutrition. But there's a lot to talk about on this topic, particularly right now and on social media. Because well, a lot, there are a lot of evangelists. Exactly. And it's New Year's and people are trying gym memberships and all that sort of stuff. But the thing that I'm seeing, my totally unscientific opinion, but I, I see this entering into the conversation about diets and nutrition, is that diets which are good for very specific conditions are now being framed, packaged, and sold as year-round eating habits when really they're not designed as such. And I think, for instance, I lost a bunch of weight at the end of last year doing the ketogenic diet, keto, uh-huh. which was originally invented as a treatment for epilepsy. It was it really? was seen to reduce a certain type of protein in the brain that was uh, connected to seizures. I believe. Correct me on Facebook if You've I'm wrong. Not seemed any calmer. And they, it has not done a damn thing. Although they now recommend magnesium supplements for anxious uh, motherfuckers like me. But the uh, ketogenic diet originally, and I don't think it was called keto then, it fell out of fashion because they marketed and came out with a medicine that basically treated what the diet was supposed oh, to treat in epilepsy. Good. And then people kind of rediscovered it. But the keto people that I follow on Instagram, all of whom look like Sean Cody models, by the way, which makes it a lot easier to listen to them talk the about keto people. the keto people are from the planet Keto, right? where they all look like they just played uh, volleyball on a San Diego beach before doing gay porn. But anyway, they say they are starting to say this may not be the thing for everyone and it may not be a thing to do year round, but it does lead to a rapid weight loss by almost completely eliminating the carbs that you're eating. But, you know, and I feel the same way about some aspects of vegetarian and vegan diets. Like, they may be completely appropriate for uh, somebody in their 60s or 70s who's had a major coronary event who really needs to dramatically reduce animal fat. But are they the right thing for a 14-year-old? So, anyway, we said we weren't going to talk about diets. That That's going to be it for me. That's going to so be all. So, that's you not talking. That was I'm just Christopher say, not talking about diets. That was me not talking about diet. But I think it was a great lead-in to Deborah Gams. 
Christmas date recipe. I don't even know if I'm talking. We asked Deborah what she did for the holidays, and she said, I made my mother-in-law's family-famous Christmas date cookies and then sent a box to her since she can't make them anymore. Well, that's sad. I also converted her handwritten recipe into an SVG for the rest of the family. I don't know what an SVG is, but I so think Deborah can tell us on tell Facebook. Tell us about that, yeah. They are a lot of work, but they, it's clearly some way of preserving what was originally a handwritten recipe. Uh, she says they're a lot of work, but they're worth it. So we've spent Christmas gorging on food and drink, playing with the kids and relaxing. For some reason, I also spent, for some reason, she says, <laughs> I also spent three days with my son at Cub Scout Day Camp. Yeah, those Kill Royales will wind you up at Boy Scout Camp <laughs> every time. You really have to watch those. I just love my kids. I want to spend more time with them. Uh, then she helped the teen dye her hair green slash turquoise. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Those are the, the Kill had not worn off yet. And this, but this is the great finish. It's been fun, but I'm glad the kids are back at school. Yeah, that's one of <laughs> there's some what um and which there's a, a Christmas carol that actually has that line, and mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. <laughs> it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. That's great. Yeah, I think that's really one of the best Christmas uh, carol lines out there because, yeah, oh, my God, it's great to have them home. Now get out. I know, absolutely. So she actually, I asked her some questions on Facebook, or maybe Shea Butters, our aggrieved manservant who moderates the Facebook page. Oops. Uh, oops, a little, a little collision my with your kit. pop filter. Um, I asked her for more information about the recipe. Apparently, I didn't ask her what an SVG excuse me, is. Uh, my bad, but she went on to say <laughs> that when her mother-in-law went into an assisted living facility, she inherited her cookbooks, and this is Deborah talking, so I asked all her oh. sons and daughters, of which there are five, That's if they had any particular gift. recipes that were important. Every single person mentioned the date cookies. They sound delicious. First, you have to make the filling, which involves cooking dates, sugar, water, and vanilla down till it's thick. Oh my god, my mouth is watering. While that is cooling, you make the cookie dough, which is oatmeal-based. Healthy. Oatmeal is healthy, right? Uh, Then you have to roll out the dough till it's about one-eighth of an inch thick. Cut circles and put it... I can't read this. I'm freaking out. I'm jonesing. I'm I'm getting triggered. I don't know why you're doing this to yourself. (laughs) You're... There there is a... um, it happens on television shows, too, or sometimes movies, but more often television shows where I'll watch the show and go, well, that writer was hungry. Oh, my God. Because everybody, like, I watched something the other day, and everybody on the show had pan- Oh, single parent. Mm-hmm. Everybody had pancakes. Before the show oh was over, God. everybody had, had pancakes. And it was like, that writer was jonesing for pancakes. Yeah. And it just sneaked its way into the script and, and, and onto the show and then yeah you would so literally for half an hour I watched people eat and or talk about eating mm-hmm. breakfast food and pancakes mm, did you get did you want breakfast food after no I was fine you're just you know have a heart of steel don't you Eric Shaw no when that's not... really not it I probably just eaten <laughs> or I probably was eating at the time are you you weren't off your you weren't back on your diet yet when you saw this episode you I just... don't know okay yeah, I can't I tell I can't necessarily weed that out if i was not back on the do you know what i fell in love with this holiday season what did you fall in love with this holiday season have you ever had brie in puff pastry no yes i have i have basically like yeah it's like a really fancy i don't know cheese croissant yeah there's like a whole wheel of brie and they wrap it in puff pastry. You put it in the oven for half an hour, mm. and then you slather it with fig preserves mm-hmm. or, you know, 
something else. Apricot was also good, I found. Mm. So I thought, well, I'll try it. And I had one and I ended up having one every night <laughs> for, I can't think how long, for a while. Happy holidays. For the holidays because it was Love such delicious, yes. wonderful, like late night kind of watch TV. And you just, every now and again, you just slice off a little bit and you get a little bit of croissant and a little bit of fig preserves and a little bit of brie in every bite. And it's just, it was really lovely. Now I'm judging. For people who want their bread with a side of cheese, yes. my An old friend of mine married a caterer, and he would bake brie inside of a shell made out of pastry oh, crust. That's so gorgeous. And I, really, I think there was a moment where he basically admitted that he didn't have any conception of brie without a pastry crust around it. He didn't know that people would ever you eat could actually or serve a wheel of brie. So anyway, yeah, absolutely. This was the other side, sort of getting back into the diet and nutrition conversation. The thing that I experienced over the holidays is that because I had dieted very aggressively before, all bets were off, and I ate, as you said, like a circus elephant. Yes. Which made me sick. And it was not as enjoyable. It was like a binge purge mentality, yeah. although I wasn't actually purging. But it was like, you know, it was like, no, I have a limited amount of time to do this in, so I need to eat all of these chocolate-covered cherries, this bag of pita chips, and then I need to find some alone time so I don't fart on my mother and best friend. But that's one of the things about giving yourself the holidays off is that you avoid that sort of binge mentality mm-hmm. because you don't have to eat all the chocolate-covered cherries today. You can have some more tomorrow. Or you can have, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, right. there's not a rush. There's not a deadline. But, but for me, three weeks from then was, felt like a deadline. <laughs> I was like, three weeks, I've got to eat all of the crap I can between now and three weeks from now. It felt very limited to me. Christopher eats like a dog. <laughs> I've told him this before, and I may have said it on the air. He before. licks his own butt no, and then chews on a that, bone. Well, that may happen, but I haven't. I haven't actually seen that. But yeah, no, Christopher really. It, it, it's a phenomenon, but Christopher really does eat like a dog. And could you please explain what that means? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. So... Let's say, Christopher, the, the way, it's not like he's, a, it's not like he has terrible table manners. Or <laughs> now, because I've been face, friends with you for a long or time. Or puts his face in the plate and, you know, like, it's not like that. But <laughs> it, it's, if you, if you feed it, if you feed your dog, <laughs> if you put down a bowl of something, the dog will eat until the bowl is gone and it will eat whatever it is that you put down there. Even if there's going to be something later, 
if you put so if if you go to a restaurant with Christopher <laughs> and they bring out a basket of Cheddar Bay biscuits to the table, Christopher will eat the whole basket of biscuits, even though he's got a lobster coming right. in twenty minutes. And frequently he won't be hungry for the lobster. But don't use biscuits because biscuits are God's bread. Use something. It's it happens even with shitty bread no. because it's there. Yeah. But biscuits are anyone would eat a whole basket of biscuits. Well, and certainly you would. I believe I shared. But I don't. Maybe I scared people. Maybe I was eating them so aggressively. Nobody My parents to really have not ever gotten quite that over was, it. Let's let's just color in the other side of that story, which is we <laughs> went to visit your parents, and just this is our usual disclaimer that Eric Shaw Quinn and I are not married, so that we will never get divorced. But as Eric once said, if we did try to sleep together, we would probably start laughing. We're best friends, so if, I just can't imagine. If, That's just sort I, of, it would be it like makes me queasy. It would be like incest. I don't know. It would be, <laughs> be weird. weird. Yeah, no, we couldn't have sex. But we're very good friends, which means I go to protect him from his parents <laughs> when it's time for him to travel to South Carolina, where are they big live. Fans of Christopher's, they're really fond of him, and it was my father's 80th birthday. My favorite part of that story is we just. We worked at, we just really showed up at their house. Yeah. Like they did not know. It was a surprise. Yeah. It was a surprise that we were going to be there. So we literally just got out of the car and walked up to their house. And as we were walking up and they were coming out and looking at us with a sort of, it was a lack of comprehension, a complete, like it was like, am I really seeing? I thought, oh God, these are really old people. I hope we don't (laughs) kill them. We should have told them we were ghosts. Maybe this is not a good plan. <laughs> Heard that okay. Everybody was fine. But yes, one of the things we I did was I said to my father, wherever you'd like to go eat, let's go out for dinner and I'll take you wherever you would like to go. So he wanted to go someplace nice. So he picked Red Lobster. Red Lobster. Which, nothing against Red Lobster. I don't think I'd ever been to a Red Lobster. Quite Not delicious. like I'm so fancy. I ate at TGI Fridays oh every God. day for like five years. Like, yeah, no, I love Red Lobster. But, it's, it's not my idea of the fanciest place in town, but it was my father's and it was his birthday. Yes, So absolutely. we went and they brought a basket of Cheddar Bay Biscuits to the table and Christopher ate it. I did. I ate it. So moving on from food. Which is like a dog in that way. Wait, Do you see what I'm, I'm saying? I'm not offended. I just thought it was important to be clear with our right. party no, people like, what you yeah, really meant it's not by that. like he sticks his face in the plate and uh, licks the plate and stuff well not usually not it depends on what the plate is made <laughs> out of if I think I'm going to get lead poisoning I don't le- lick the plate <laughs> so this was actually a very moving response we asked people what they had done over the holidays I think I also asked people what their favorite gift was and this is Beth Murphy Saluga said five years ago my oldest sister died mm. This Christmas, her daughter-in-law sent me a recording of my sister reading the story the night before Christmas that she recorded a few years ago for her granddaughter. My favorite gift this year. Isn't that lovely? That's a lovely gift. Absolutely lovely. And earlier I mentioned that we have some very wonderful and active party people from the land down under. We're um, having a hard, we're having a really hard hell time, of a time right time now. Lately, um, I don't know when you're listening to this, but we're recording it in January, and I think the fires are still burning largely out of control across most of the continent. Uh, this is from Mikhail. Forgive me if I mispronounced your first name, Barden Meese. He says, "This Christmas, my wife and I drove from our home in Canberra, Australia, to Sydney to pick up my 17-year-old triplets. They live in California with their mother and come visit us during school holidays. We were apprehensive that the Hume and Federal highways might be closed due to bushfires. I think that they actually are bushfires there, as opposed to brush fires. I 
because they have the bush. Uh, it was very smoky, but we made it there and back safely. We had a nice Christmas in Canberra despite the smoke, and then we headed to the coast to get some fresh air for a few days, but the smoke followed us. We decided to leave the Tourist Head Holiday Park a day early and head back to Canberra on 30th of December. As we drove, we kept an eye on the Fires Near Me app. That sounds terrifying. And the right? Live Traffic Road Closures app. We stopped for lunch in a tiny village called a tiny village called Cabargo. We did some thrift shopping and had lunch. Four hours later, the entire village was consumed by fire. Oh, my God. Luckily, we were just arriving home. The fires got worse and it was difficult to celebrate New Year's Eve. On the 1st, we took the kids back to the airport in Sydney again, dodging bushfires that intermittently closed the highway. My God. Here's the part that got me, that all got me, but this part really jumped out. It feels odd to be glad that they are safe back in California when I usually feel they are safer in Australia. 2020 has been stressful and crazy. It's impossible to make plans, and it's hazardous to breathe outside. Pray for rain. Keep Australia in your prayers. Be thankful for the air you breathe. Here we go. Your podcasts have provided bright spots when we can forget the catastrophe around us and have a laugh at Poison Creek or focus on some horrible true crime that happened to somebody else. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you. That was a lovely, lovely uh, contribution to our Facebook page. We are... Definitely praying for Australia and an end to and this. And we are delighted to hear that that's what our podcast might fill the need for in anybody's life. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly on a drive through hell. Yeah, that just, I mean, this felt like to me the first, and I don't know if it's over yet, but the first wildfire season in Southern California where they actually got really close to where we were. Because normally what it feels like is that they are on the perimeters of the of what they call the Southland. Right. They're out in places like Sand Canyon and Santa Clarita. Where there's the fuel. Where there's the fuel, but they're also where a lot of people live. I don't mean to downplay yeah. it, but if you have friends in other parts of the country that know you live in Los Angeles, they will it happens all the time. The evening news starts in other time zones and texts start to pop up on my phone. Are you all right? Are you all right? Are you all right? And usually I'm saying thank you so much for your concern but this fire is actually if i got in a car and tried to drive to it it would take me an hour to get there uh and not including traffic in terms of distance but this season they were a lot closer there was one uh in pacific palisades that erupted in the middle of the day that i could see from my apartment really clearly there was um the one in, I guess, below the Getty Center that was actually really yeah. big, which we had friends evacuate in the middle of the night. It just... I always tell people, I can't afford to live where I would be at risk for fire. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've always taken it for like granted. Like, you have to have yeah. the fuel around you. You have to have people who live in the hills and in the, the wooded, more wooded places. Like, it's great when we have rain, but the flip side of it is we get fire because... You have to have the fuel to make the fire, and if you have a dry season followed by following a rainy season, well, then you have all kinds of dried fuel ready to go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I, I hope it's true that when we look out in our neighborhood here where the studio is and where we both live, we look up at hills that are largely developed now that don't have the fuel that you're talking about. But I still, like, I remember the year Griffith Park burned, yeah. which was right in the middle no. of Los Angeles, you know. I, it's, it's But really, it would time. have to be... Um, if if the fires if the hotels are built out of 
um, incredibly flammable material, then we are at risk. We are at risk. And <laughs> but, I I, but I think the hotels are made out of cement and stuff. So yeah, the, probably the new ones are anyway. I will say that like they're <laughs> like boxes of cement. They are really the, the anyway. We could do a whole episode about new construction on the Sunset Strip. But anyway, that was a very moving comment. I've been waiting to share that. But also, uh, in regards to True Crime TV Club, which we are bringing back in our next episode, he did say that a lot of the shows that we are covering are not available in Australia. Unfortunately, so Even I have reached Amazon? out to him and asked him. Well, I think there are different global territories that are carved up. Like something that's available for us on Amazon here is not available in another that's country so necessarily. Weird. Yeah, it's very difficult. So if you are international and you are listening to this and you enjoy True Crime TV Club, um, try to send us some links to the streaming platforms that are available to you that you can use. We may not be able to watch what's on it, but we may be able to see what's on it in terms of what's listed right. directory-wise. Because we, as we always say, um, we it's certainly not a requirement that you watch the episode before we discuss it. We try not to make that but it's an option. Right. And we try to discuss it in such a way that you can feel like you experienced it by way of us without needing to watch but it. We but we also it, yeah. love the book club model where yeah. we all watch the same show and then we all talk about it. Yeah. And so maybe one day we'll tell you what the show is far enough in advance of recording <laughs> the thing that you can actually watch it. Well, I know we've got time left, but I can tell you what we're talking about next week. I, I can tell them what but we're talking about next week. They won't have have the time to get us... Um, comments before we can... Oh, right. Yes, that's true. That's the secret of this show is that we do record these... We binge record these episodes in advance, but we occasionally do allow for catch-up time like we did today. So maybe for the next batch, we can try and uh, let people know far enough in advance so they have the option of getting us comments about the shows before we actually record. Or, you know, just listen to us talk about them. Whatever works for you. Whatever works. As long as you're having... Like, um, Mikael... Mikael, I, I, you, Mikael, Mikael, M I K H E A L. Yeah, um, like if you're just enjoying them and you're in your free time or um, at, at the end of a yucky day, well then that's fine with us. Absolutely, it's like hanging out with us, but without having to actually have us over and feed us because we're kind of difficult and we have a lot of diet issues. Yeah, as we've made and, clear. A, and if we're not on a diet, we may each out a house and home. Uh, Maria Jason was thinking about us over the holidays. She says on Facebook, she said that she was watching a television show called Southern Fried Homicide. Ooh, and that the, sounds promising. She ima- she says, I imagined you guys going over it and making your hysterically sassy, I like being called sassy, and funny comments. The acting was terrible, and the entire plot was just bizarre. I assume she's referring to the reenactments, which anyone who listens to this knows I absolutely hate and you absolutely love. Well, but I love them for the same reason that you hate them. Yeah. Because they're terrible. Yeah, they're terrible. They're terrible. And if you want to hear us weigh in, on the tragedy of reenactments, our last episode, episode eight, where we talked about an episode of a show called Red Rum. Wow, that show really needs that to be. Was, we need wow. to go back and do some more Red Rum. Yeah, absolutely. That was really fun. And what's up next? We've got a True Crime TV Club next week, right? Next week, in our next episode, we are covering an episode of a show called Vanity Fair Confidential. Excellent. I believe it's season four, but I think I forgot to write. It's season four. Do you remember the episode number? I believe number? it's episode seven. It is entitled Murder Most Obsessive. 
And it is a tour through decadent 1980s Hollywood. And Washington. And Washington. That is correct. I forgot that piece. Yes. It is a multi-dimensional scandal, and it's also, you know, it's our naked attempt to capitalize on the 80s retro craze happening right now across Was, television. Is that true? No. No, it's Nobody not. Nobody told me. It's not. We have a- I just thought it sounded really salacious. I did, too. That's why I watched it, God, and then I called a, you, and I said, we have to do this one. That was the same time period, I guess it was the 80s, when I would see something- they would do all these mini series, and it would be like, "Oh, that looks so trashy." Oh God, it was. That would were... be why I wanted to watch it. Oh yeah, it was the era of the trashy mini series. I, I remember mean... my mother and I used to watch all of them. The Thorn Birds, mm. Noble House was a big one. Noble House was James Clavell. Then what was that one? Lace. Uh, Lace. Oh my God, Lace was the best. The other side of Midnight was actually a feature. I film, think that was a feature, it? and I think that was the seventies. God, that was great. But the but Lace, yeah, I. Really like I don't think you can find Mistral lace. got its own typeface, didn't it? Did it? I don't know. I don't what's Mistral? Wait, tell me Mistral. About it. Was that Stacy Keach? I can't remember. It was another it was one of those trashy um Do you remember the great line from Lace, the miniseries? Do you remember? Through thick and thin is the only one I was That's one of them. No, but it was the it was the scene where she turns around. Phoebe Cates, who uh, some of you may know from Fast Times at Ridgemont High and uh, some other stuff. And Bowling for Towels on Bravo. <laughs> Bowling for Towels. Late night. <laughs> Phoebe Cates turns around to a room full of the lead actresses and says, which one of you bitches is my mother? And that was the that was the whole setup. Dun, dun, dun. She's this famous actress who has gotten these older women who are all rich and successful in very ways back together because one of them is her mother. It's the same plot as um as Mamma Mia. Yes, it is, only with way less singing. Although I and think it's the moms and not the dads. You and I should begin developing a lace musical. I think that is now our calling. I've lace decided. the musical. Lace the musical. Is that Danielle Steele? No, it was I think her name was Shirley Conran. And uh, I don't, she wrote a couple other books. I don't think she rose to quite the level of success of Danielle Steele. You know, a, a jerk on the internet once called me the gay Danielle Steele. Wow. And that's I was like, really I great. will take it. I, he thought it was an insult. How lovely. Uh, he didn't realize how much I enjoy oh, popular commercials. Oh, yeah, it was totally meant to be like. Why would he think that would be a bad thing? Oh, I don't know, because he thinks she's vapid and not literary. You know, people who try to figure out what's literary oh, are the bane of I everybody's really, existence. I love those snobs. Yeah. That's so funny. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. So that's so this is good words and these these, These words are, are bad not words. Not good words. These are not good words. I, I see now. Thanks for clearing that Thanks. up for me. I so asked. It's like it's all like the people who, even when they're giving a good review of your books, are like, "Well, it's no Tolstoy," but it's. And I was like, I would love to know how many of you have actually read Tolstoy and would actually like my books to have four chapters about a single horse race in them. I don't mean to trash Tolstoy. I actually think Tolstoy is a good writer, but I think the majority of people who try to project that sort of um, cultural sophistication by trashing things, there is no room for them at my table. Well, it is sort of, I guess, critic culture has become part of our pop culture now with social media. Everybody is trying to create an image of themselves by showing how much they dislike everything. Absolutely. But I think there's another side of that, which I, I think the internet has done, which is great, which is that people who are fans of a certain genre can gather together and review the genre they love in a way that makes it clear they love it. Whereas before, if you were writing 
a mystery or a romance or something that was a, a nakedly commercial book, uh, it was probably going before a reviewer at a major publication right. who would indict the genre ahead of the book. You know, like they would they would fault it for yeah, not I being the type of book that they so like. Shallow. Yeah, and now you have romance and mystery communities in particular, and sci-fi and horror and all this sort of stuff, where they approach the individual works with a love of of what they're trying to achieve in general. And review them honestly, but I think it's it's. Yeah, I it's mean, better. I think you can give a good review just to a book that's a genre you wouldn't necessarily, yeah, enjoy. I mean, yeah, I certainly in my own days as a theater critic, gave good reviews to plays that were you know not my thing. But you you would delineate between the production of the play and the and the underlying play because yeah, you, you were do, reviewing you either do it. Do a good job or you didn't. Right. You weren't reviewing the premiere of the play in New York where you were saddled with reviewing the script. As well, right? No, yeah. Well, I wasn't, but I, I'm not even sure. I guess that's, yeah. I guess you're being asked that in a in a in a debut performance. You're being asked your opinion of the script as well as the performance. But even then, mm-hmm. I would think that, you know, I I certainly do that. I I when I'm reacting to films, mm-hmm. you know, I think well, the actors in this, you know, really, for instance, the 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 new Netflix film. Marriage Story. I think the actors do a great job, and I think it is one of the most trivial, boring, unoriginal mm-hmm. films I've seen in a really long time. Mm-hmm. I, I was astonished because I'd heard so many great reviews, and I really do think it was because the actors did such a great job. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what a tedious Not God a divorce. Yeah. Still a problem. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Speak to your therapist. In fact, if you'd like to hear what your therapist would say, we're going to talk about it for two <laughs> hours. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, I I haven't seen it. And honestly, a lot of the award season films and I know we'll talk about them at some point. Uh I you are my canary in the coal mine <laughs> because you go in first. You were so good about watching everything and being, well, being I would rigorous be, about it. If that was really true, I would be dead. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> cuz that's what happens to the canary in the coal mine. If there's poison gas, but if there's not, he could just come back and be like, "That movie's terrible. Tweet tweet." That's my movie canary. <laughs> I see. That's movie, movie canary, canary. in the film. Anyway, well, what what have we not covered? How much time do we have left? I have absolutely no idea. Well, I hear that we have a minute. Left, I'm hearing from the booth that we have a minute left. So next week is next uh, week we're fair Con- confidential. True Crime TV Club is back. We're doing Woo-hoo! season four, episode seven. You said that's the rumor. Look for the episode title: Murder Most Obsessive. It is about the and, murder. You know, check on Facebook before you actually watch because Christopher will post the the actual. <laughs> if I got it soon. wrong, I'll post it on Facebook. I'll post the right answer on Facebook at least. So yes, that. That is next week. Um, we are glad to be back. We are full of gratitude and love for everyone who but is being so supportive. But not carbs, because we're, we've begun our post-holiday dieting. We are four hungry. so far. We are hungry. Eric has lost four pounds. I'm not that hungry. I lost four. Shut up. Don't, don't rub it in. I have a better diet I, than you. Yeah, My diet's better. better than yours. <laughs> I have lost four pounds, then I've gained two and whatever. Uh, but I'm eating Ezekiel bread instead of real bread, so maybe that'll work out. Anyway, we got to stop. we got to stop with the or diet. maybe you'll see the wheel up, way up in the middle of the sky. I'm going to see Ezekiel's wheel <laughs> because I'll be so high on low glycemic bread. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you have been listening to TDBS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. <laughs>